0: Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. We're still in Mark chapter 4 and uh, we got two more weeks here as we're examining how God grows our faith. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. This time I wanted to read it from the NIV version. It says it a little bit differently. It says, uh, and, and, he, and he said unto them, The kingdom of God is as if a man should sow, uh, sow seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day. And the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. This, is that the NIV? The kingdom of God is like a man scatters seed on the ground. Yeah, I thought the, it says scatters, because I think the, the New King James says so. Uh, so I'm, I'm just going to read from the NIV. Uh, well, this is what the kingdom of God is like, he says. It's as if a man scatters seeds on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't matter what you do. God is bigger. Doesn't matter what you do. God is working. Whether he sleeps or wakes up, whether he's working hard or resting, whether he's putting the effort and the time in or not. Man, I just, I, I just, I just kind of like that. No matter what, 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 no what we are doing, if we will plant the seed in the ground, that the seed will sprout and grow, though he doesn't know how. <laughs> so even, even without our knowledge, sometimes without our input, without our knowledge, amazingly, God can do things. Isn't that incredible? Uh, the, the, the old saying, God helps those who help themselves. That's not true. <laughs> that's a lie. I'm not saying you shouldn't help yourself. Some of you guys could do some things to help yourself, and there's nothing nothing wrong with that. But don't throw God into that. That's just you helping yourself. That's you being wise. Scripture says, if you're wise, you are wise for yourself. That's what Proverbs says, right? So, it's, it's, and, and that's a good thing. It's not a negative thing. Uh, you can help yourself. You can help yourself out a lot. You can go through a lot less pain if you would learn some wisdom. However, even without wisdom, even just the dumb sheep—come <laughs> on, somebody, anybody ready to associate with a lack of wisdom? Man, oh gosh, how many mistakes have I made? How many, how many, how many steps should I have taken that I didn't take? How many steps should I not have taken that I did? My goodness. Yeah, I mean, that's my yes. I mean, but you know, my goodness. God doesn't just help those who help themselves. Truth is, night or day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed that I have sown into the kingdom of God keeps working. What I have placed in his hand, what I have placed in his care, he keeps working. Even even when I don't know what to do, even when I make mistakes and I don't do what I should do whether I sleep or whether I wake, whether I'm working, whether I'm not working, whether I'm resting, there's this, there's this principle that God causes growth. God causes growth. I don't cause growth, but I release what I have. I plant it into the soil, and this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's not you figuring things out. It's not you getting better. It's not you getting bigger. It's God is bigger. It's a realization that what I have committed unto him, he is faithful to bring that to fruition. He is faithful to bring that thing to pass. And so whether, I, whether the man sleeps or wakes up, this is what's happening. It's growing. He doesn't even know how. How does it grow? All by itself. The soil produces grain and now it starts going through the process of production. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel within the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle in because the harvest has come. And so we've been examining how God grows our faith. We've been examining how God causes growth. And so I want to look today at another principle. We've been looking at organic life principles. Uh, These are true of all living things. Do we have any living things in here today? A few? Okay, cool. So this is true of you, that you are growing. This is true. Living things, those are things that God has made. Mechanical things, those are things that humans have made, right? And so, so many times we get a mechanical mindset when really we we need to have more of a natural mindset. How does God do things? Well, God does things with... This is our word for today, sustainability, sustainability. God, everything God does, he does with sustainability. All of nature, if you look around nature, nature is by itself sustainable. It will sustain itself. Sustainability, the definition for sustainability is that a living thing will be able to maintain or sustain its quality of life over a long period of time. That's what sustainability means. And God, when he plants something, when he grows something, when he creates something, he does it with sustainability. So that means, what that that means is that when you and I are planted, when our faith is planted by God, sustainability will be part of that process. Now, right off the bat, I have to point out that sustainability was created, the word was invented back in the 1700s by a German guy. He was trying to talk about ways of farming, and particularly ways of, I think it's called smelting, smelting, uh, 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 there was smelt- smelting silver is what they were doing. And he wrote he wrote a book about how they should use sustainable practices in smelting silver. Nowadays though, 300 years later, it's kind of It's become a a buzzword. It's a real popular word now, and it's really kind of been hijacked, and it's it's more of a, a political term for a type of environmental policy. So when I talk about sustainability, on whatever side you fall of that political spectrum, I really don't mind. You go do some research, vote your conscience, that's great. I'm not talking about that, okay? So a lot of times sustainability feels like you watch YouTube videos on it, which I did some research this week. It feels kind of like they're saying, well, humans should, should have a less, uh, lesser quality of life so that we can take care of nature, and that nature can be, we have to sacrifice for nature. And if that's your view of sustainability, you'll actually get a weird view of the rest of this message, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. When, when, when God creates things with sustainability, he doesn't mean, look, you have to sacrifice so that somebody else can thrive, right? You have to suffer so that somebody else can do well. That's not God's version of sustainability, now, you can sacrifice. That's a part of his version. But anyway, so I just, I, I just want you to just reset for just a minute. Just take what you've heard about sustainability and Nike making sustainably resource shoes. And, you know, like, just, just take all of that. And, like, that's a whole nother discussion. You can watch some YouTube videos on that if you want. I'm talking about the way in which nature is self-sustaining. The way in which a forest, if you leave it, for instance... For a hundred years, it'll still be there when you come back. A hundred years later, a thousand years later, that forest. And actually some of those trees will still be there a thousand years later. So when I say sustainability, I don't mean like Nike trying to offset some of the carbon footprint of their shoe production, right? I'm talking about actually the way in which things, God created things to sustain themselves. To maintain a quality of life, to, basically, he never assigns a quality of life that he doesn't expect the living thing to maintain. So he, he doesn't do that. Now now in America, we're really bad at sustainability. We're, we, we prefer short bursts of energy, short bursts of effectiveness and production. And we, we knock it out between eight and five or whatever it might be. We, we hit it hard. We grind hard, but it's not sustainable. And we don't even plan on it to be sustainable because sustainability is not even in our mindset. And so you'll ask people, how do you plan on keeping this up? And they'll be like, I don't know. But I'm just going to ride it as long as I can. And it's like, we, so the idea of sustainability is a natural concept. It's not necessarily a mechanical concept. Machines, for instance, work really hard for a short period of time. And then they die. And then you get a new one. Uh, your iPhone works really hard for a short period of time. And then they, then they change the settings on, a, on, an, on an update and it, and it crashes your phone. And uh, so that you have to go buy a new one because it's not good for business. Sustainability is not really that good for business. If you only, if if you had an everlasting gobstopper, it wouldn't be good for business, which is why Willy Wonka wasn't allowed to make the everlasting gobstopper, right? Because we want people to buy new gum. We want people to buy new stuff. But in God's nature, God created things to be Sustainable, which means as god is is building you and as God is building your faith, He wants your faith to be sustainable. I was talking to somebody recently uh, about this one of the sermons that I was preaching on. I think it was energy transfer, and I was talking about that we are producers. And I kind of ended the sermon with saying, what are you producing? What are you producing in your home? What are you producing in your life? What are you producing in your relationship with God? What are you producing with your money? Uh, And so I just began just asking, go home and and, and pray about this. And I was talking to this person and they're like, man, I really need to be producing a lot more. God, I really need to start producing a lot more. And I said, well, that's great. My next sermon is on sustainability. (laughs) Because if you simply take the idea of a producer and the way that America thinks of production... You will, you'll work really hard. You'll see all the ways in which you fall short. And you'll be like, this is a long list. And you'll start attacking the list. And yet, man, seeds don't have to-do lists. <laughs> they, don't. they don't. They don't have a to-do list with deadlines and due dates. Now, I know in our, in our job, and our work environments, we do. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But I'm saying you can't transfer that onto your faith. Okay, that's that's the American way. That's not God's way. The way that God works, God works through sustainability. In other words, He never asks you to do something that you cannot keep doing for a long period of time. And so many of us, our relationship with God, our 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 Christian faith, is like this, and then like this, and like this, kind of like the American banking system. It's like this, and then like oh, there goes SVB, and then it's like oh, there goes Signature, and then, you know why? Because they're not sustainable. <laughs> And so, you can apply this to finances, you can apply this to relationships, you can apply this to your Christian walk. But the truth is, no matter what you're doing, when God is in it, it is sustainable. He'll never ask you to start something that you cannot continue at the same quality for a long period of time. And so, I want you guys to grow in your faith in a sustainable way, not in a, oh my goodness, I need to work really hard over the next three weeks to check off all the lists and start all the stuff and do all the things. For a short period of time. That won't help you grow. It'll help you produce some good things, but then you'll lose the production. It'll help you achieve some good things, but that achievement won't last. And so what God wants for you is a sustainable walk. A sustainable faith. A faith that you can start right now. That you can start walking forward and you can continue. Basically, instead of short bursts, we're talking long obedience in the same direction instead of short bursts of dedication you're better off having long obedience in the same direction and and this is not a lazy way to do things all right this is not this is not to say well just whatever you feel like doing tomorrow go ahead and do it no like trees aren't lazy they're working they're, they're striving, but they're not striving to fulfill a checklist. They're not striving to reach a deadline. They're not striving with an exterior burden of, of list of goals. They're striving to, to transfer the energy of what's in front of them, to allow it to work within them, and allow that to produce something from them. They have no, like, like an apple tree doesn't have a set quota of how many apples they need to produce this season. If they produce one, cool. If they produce a 100, cool. They're just here to produce apples, all right? And the same is true with church. There's no, no, like, good church size or bad church size. So God's not simply looking for churches that are gathering a lot of people. There are smaller churches that are also being obedient to God, that are gathering a few people. Now, if you're not gathering any people, then you should probably shut your doors down and stop being a church because you're literally not producing fruit. But the rate of fruit, this is where we this is where we, we put so much pressure on ourselves. And it's simply it's not it's not sustainable. I was talking to somebody this week who's who's like graduating high school and starting, you know, starting life. And so they have a list of things they should do, right? Get a job, get a car, uh, and, 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 and and the truth is American culture will be happy to give you that list. You don't even have to think. So in many ways, it's actually easier to stay on... The, the wheel to push and to work and to have these short bursts because because everybody else is doing it every movie that you watch every sitcom that you watch every game show they're all talking about the same thing right so if you're I don't know if you're if you're an 18 year old female just graduated high school okay this is what you need to do you need to you need to get a job you need to get a car so you can get back and forth to that job you need to go to college so that you can get a better job. All right? Those are the three things. Then you probably need to get a boyfriend. So those are the four things. So it it doesn't matter what kind of boyfriend or what kind of job or what kind of car. None of that matters. You just have to get those things. You get those things, then you're on track. Okay, cool. Then all of a sudden you get those things. And then after a while you figure out that the boy you got wasn't so great, so you need to get a better one. So you go shopping for a better one. Your car breaks down because that wasn't so great, but by now you have more money from your job. You can get a better one. But then you got to go to school to get a better job so that you can get a better car and upgrade your life and constantly, you're, you're just, you, you wind up, you're 40 years old and you're sitting back, what have I, what have I done? Where am I going? Well, you're in the same boat with everybody else. We're all just going down this track and we don't have to think about it. We don't have to, we don't have to work at it. We just, we just, we just chug along. And yet God has a, a different way of doing things. God, there's a, there's a, there's a lack of management that is actually more productive than the over-management. For instance a tree doesn't have this set path. He doesn't he's not looking around at other trees trying to figure out what he should do. He's he's receiving from what is above him, the power above him, he's receiving from God. I'm calling it a he, that's not right, but whatever. It is receiving from, get those pronouns right. It's receiving from God and it's converting carbons, photosynthesizing and creating and it's and it's growing where it is with what it has. And it's, and it's simply this long obedience thing. And what's amazing is, because when, 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 it's actually kind of harder when you're 18 and people say, well, what are you going to do with your life? And you say, I don't know. Because that's not acceptable. Oh, you're not married yet? You're 27. You're not married yet? Why? Because that's not on the track. But, but when you're actually following God's will for your life, you're, you're not as motivated by a particular track and particular timelines and due dates and deadlines. You're actually motivated by what is being downloaded to you and what is happening inside of you and then what God is producing through you. And so it's a completely different way of looking at it. It requires far less management, management, and more God-agement. It requires more of God's voice over your life, which honestly a lot of people find to be far too difficult. They'd rather the job with the cash, with the boyfriend, and just simply go on that track because this over here is too, you know, up in the air. But man, it's far more sustainable because then when you are 40 and you're looking around, you say, what am I doing with my life? You can say, wait, this is what God is downloading to me. This is what he's doing in me. And this is what he's doing through me. And I don't have to answer your expectations of me. I don't have to follow the track that everybody else is following in my culture, I'm downloading from somewhere else, and it's far more sustainable. Because while they, they're freaking out because they haven't met this deadline and this timeline, and they're not married yet, or they don't have kids yet, or they don't have the, the house with the picket fence yet, or whatever it is the timeline that they're supposed to be on, well, they're freaking out about that, I'm over here just just growing. I'm over here just being fruitful. I'm over here sustainable. And so sustainability in our Christian life is something that God wants to do. And so I want to give you just four keys, and I don't think we have it on the screen, but four keys to the Christian's sustainability. The first one is daily Bible reading. Daily Bible reading is a key to, your, to the sustainability of your walk with Christ. If you don't have a practice, a rhythm of reading the Bible on your own— then this faith of yours is not going to be very sustainable It's going to be short bursts of good sermons Because I don't preach a good sermon every week So it's like every few weeks you got a good one, right? Right, Ward? Every few weeks you got a good one And it's like you can get something out of that But then you're like a few weeks on your own So man, you need a daily A daily dose A good, yeah, a daily bread You need, you, you, you need that So that, that, that's, that's number one Number two is daily prayer time. So a a, a rhythm of spending time with God in prayer. I don't care if you're in the car commuting on your way to work, if you're in an actual closet in your house, it doesn't matter, but literal time alone with God. Late at night, after everybody goes to sleep, on the couch, whatever it is, you need to have a daily time of connecting and communing with God. This is going to make your Christian life sustainable. People who don't have daily prayer time and daily Bible reading, their 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 Christian life, their Christian experience is a little bit is a little bit like the banking system. It's just short bursts of high dedication, and then there's no sustainability. So these are two elements. The third element is Christian community, and we have care groups at City Chapel for a Christian community. And if you're not in a care group, please 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 get into a care group. Why? Because it's part of the sustainability of your faith. It, 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 that people, other people who are walking through this life, going through issues and temptations and things like just like you, that you need to be around them and you need to be fellowshipping with them. And you need to be connecting with them. Right? And so, so that's, that's a part of sustainability. I am where I am today because of the people that have, God has placed around me that I have chosen to engage with. Right? And so I'm, I'm telling you from personal experience, there are, you, you can do pretty good on prayer time and Bible reading for a while, but there are some seasons in your life where you wish you would have built that foundation. Man, when the storm comes and you don't have that, boy, you wish you had it. Now, it's fine right now. Everything's cool. Everything's good. But when you need it, it's too late to go build it. So I'm encouraging you right now while you feel good, right now while you feel decent, right now where it's like, things are kind of okay. Cool. Wheels haven't fallen off yet. Build some Christian community into your life. It will it'll, it'll help you. Because when your wheel falls off, their wheel's still on, or at least that wheel's still on. The other one's off, right? So you can lean on them, you know what I'm saying? Like, th- that's how it works. And, and, and the fourth thing is church participation, And I say participation because mere attendance is really just not going to do it. Church participation, participating with the body of Christ in ministry. Church participation, serving, coming to church on Sunday for those that aren't able, tuning in and, 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 and connecting with people online. I mean, giving yourself to the body of Christ. This is part of the sustainability. Hebrews tells us to not forsake this part. This part's important. Don't give up on it. Because it'll encourage you. It'll strengthen you. And once again, there are seasons in your life where you feel like you don't need it. And I get that. But sustainability is not just what you need right now, this week, this the, like, by, by five o'clock. No, man, that's not a sustainable lifestyle. If you... If you <laughs> this is, this is, I, I, I told somebody this recently. I said, look, when the words hurry and anxious now... Tomorrow, immediately Pressure When those words come up in a conversation The person I'm talking to They may have heard from God But I'm telling you the devil's not far away Because those words are not sustainable Those words do not produce A sustainable lifestyle You don't run into a forest And find things that have to It's got to happen right now It's got to happen right now You're not going to find that Right, even the squirrels are more prepared than that. Right, they're running around getting all their stuff. They got a stack somewhere. Okay, it's not. They don't. They don't have a quota. By the end of the day, they have to have so many acorns, or they their family starves. <laughs> squirrels aren't even living week to week. What are you doing? <laughs> they got more peace than you do. So 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 so. <laughs> Get in, get into the flow of what God is doing. Give up the American way of thinking and living and step into the kingdom of God because that is where there is sustainability. Your marriage can be sustainable. Your relationship with your kids can be sustainable. Your, your walk with God can be sustainable. So these four things, I just want to look at these four things uh, just quickly. And um, let's see, Okay, well, I'm, I'm running out of time, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to skip a little bit. i look at these four things in relationship to how God's kingdom is. Because a lot of times, uh, the past four weeks or five weeks, I've been spending a lot of time on applying the, the principle to your personal life. But now I want to show you how the principle works, not just in your personal life, but also just in the kingdom of God. Because all four of those things, they are part of, they are physical manifestations of the kingdom of God like the for instance church participation the church the people of god when god's people come together like i know that technically we're still in travis county but actually this is really an embassy of heaven so, so, so we're, we don't operate like Travis County operates. We don't value what Travis County values. We don't teach what Travis County teaches. We don't believe what Travis County believes. In fact, we believe some things that Travis County thinks is kind of silly. So we, like, this is an entirely different kingdom that you walked into. It's no longer the United States of America. This is now the kingdom of God. This is the rule of God. This is, this is a precursor to heaven. This is the embassy of a whole other place. And so that's why it's so important that you do not forsake church attendance and participation because if if you if you if you haven't been here in a while you might get twisted by the thinking of the kingdom out there the kingdom of America or the kingdom of the UN or the kingdom of whatever country you might be from from Mexico or the kingdom of of this world there is a kingdom of this world and then there is the kingdom of heaven And church is a physical representation and manifestation of the kingdom of heaven. And so it's so important that as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, that we come to the embassy every once in a while to remember what the kingdom of heaven is all about. Otherwise, we'll start thinking like the kingdom that we live in every day. And so it's important. These are all physical manifestations of the kingdom of heaven, actually. Your care group is a physical manifestation of the kingdom of heaven. That Jesus said, where two or three gathered together, there I am in the midst of them. So even if there's no preacher and worship team, just simply being in someone's living room, breaking bread together, and acknowledging the presence of Jesus is enough to transform the Clark House, for instance, from the Clark House to an embassy of the kingdom of heaven. It's a little slice. It's a little precursor. It's, a, it's, it's not perfect. It's not heaven. We're not there yet. But it's, it's, it's one step closer. Same is true with your prayer time. When you step into a moment of prayer with God, whether you're in the car or you're on the couch late at night, you are exiting the United States of America and you are entering the kingdom of God. This is where God's values are more important. This is where God's voice is the most important. This is where his transcendency becomes so prominent in your life. And the same thing is true when you open up the word of God and you begin to read it. You exit the kingdom of the United States of America and you enter into the kingdom of God. You say, well, I I don't really understand it when I read it. That's why, because you're so inundated with this kingdom out here, and this kingdom out here is upside down. Everything is reversed and flipped and inverted. But this kingdom helps us see the way things really are, helps us see ourselves and others through the lens of the kingdom of God. And so it's so important that you step into the kingdom of God. And Jesus said the kingdom of God is sustainable. Sustainable. It is sustainable. So all of these things are sustainable. God's kingdom is always sustainable. It is persistent. It is undestroyable, to make up another word. It is continuing to survive, right? It's moving forward. You say, well, actually, Pastor Harry, average church attendance in America is down by X amount of percent over the last five years. And that's true. It's true. There are a lot of people that were pretending to be in the kingdom that decided to stop pretending. And I say, that's that's great. That's lovely. The Apostle Paul said, if they were of us, they would not have gone out from us. But because they went out from us, we know that they weren't of us. Because if they were of us, they would have stayed with us. So, so, the, but, but the kingdom, don't you know, like, like, treat dead limbs fall in a forest. It doesn't mean it's not sustainable. It means there's some, there's some pruning that's got to happen because there's some things that just shouldn't be there because they're not really a part of the thing. They just want to look like they're part of the thing. So it is true that overall in America, average church attendance is definitely down. Average, like, levels of faith or belief in God is definitely down. But I got news for you. Like, that's just America. <laughs> like I said before, this kingdom is not an American kingdom. This church is not an American church. These, these care groups are not American care groups. This, this Bible is not an American Bible. These prayer times, is not an American experience. This is a, a whole other kingdom. I mean, like right now, over in North Africa, more Muslims, for instance, have converted to Christianity in the last 15 years than converted to Christianity in all of human history of, uh, since the beginning of Islam, combined. We're talking like, what, six, like, early 600s is when, is when Muhammad sat down and wrote that drivel (laughs) that he called the Quran, right? Like, like, it's like 1,400 years of violent, evil, demonic religion. You take 1,400 years in the last 15 years, we've seen more Muslims convert to Christianity than all 1,400 years prior combined, put together. You yeah, have the average attendance in, 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 in Northern California is saying, yeah, nobody cares about that. The kingdom of God is moving forward. I mean, literally missionaries in like, in like Northern Africa and places that are entirely muslim dominated. Like, you're not allowed to be a Christian, or you, you you know, they they, they take your head off. And, And so missionaries will go into those places, and their primary, like, the last few years, one thing they've been doing is they just go, and they just knock on a door. Like, in the village, they knock on a door, and they say that they're a stranger, and they just need a place to stay. Because in the Muslim faith, it's incredibly important that you, that you welcome in strangers. By the way, it's also in the Christian faith, you just probably skipped over that part. But anyway, it's important. And so these guys in traditional Muslim communities, and they take it serious, if you're if you're a foreigner and you need a place to stay, they'll open up their home. They'll give you the spare room. You'll stay there and they'll cook you a meal. So what happens is these missionaries, they'll, they'll be enjoying a meal with the family and they won't come out and say, hey, I'm a Christian, because then they'll, you know, they'll lose their head. So instead they'll say something like, have you had any weird dreams lately? And because what's been happening is, more often than not, now, now if they say, no, we haven't, then they'll say, okay, and they'll just keep on going about their meal, and they'll leave the village. But usually, what's been happening is, either the husband or the wife, or the husband and the wife of the house will say, yeah, we have had a weird dream, actually, last night. We dreamed that Jesus appeared to us, because they believe in Jesus. He's in the Quran, but he's like a, he's, he's a prophet of some sort. He's like a, he's, I don't know, he's a, Billy Graham of, uh, of the, so you know so he's a prophet and so Jesus appears to these Muslims in their dreams before the missionary comes and says something to the effect of you, you, you don't know really who I am I'm sending somebody to your house to tell you who I really am and so they share this dream with the missionary and the missionary's like surprise and so and he actually can then or she can share who Jesus really is I'm telling you, the kingdom of heaven is moving forward. It is sustainable. It is not dependent on the American economy, American politics, American church attendance. It literally is not dependent on any of those things. It's going to survive. The kingdom of heaven is going to survive. They buried—the Third Reich was supposed to last a while. It didn't last very long. Long after the swastika was banned and buried, the cross remains because the, the kingdom of God will survive. And so, okay, this is our sustainable God, our sustainable kingdom. And so, why, why, why is our life so unsustainable? Why is the, the Christian experience seem so unsustainable? Well, because, honestly, because we don't allow the kingdom of God to be what it is. We overmanage it. And, and Americans are super good at this micromanaging, over management. Uh, Back in 2019, uh, a guy by the name of Thomas Crowther published uh, a research paper. Him and a bunch of other scientists published a research paper um, trying to, he was trying to help reduce global warming, which he felt was produced by the amount of carbon in the atmosphere. And one way to, to get down on the carbon is to have more trees Apparently trees convert carbon, photosynthesize it, and give, and it takes carbon out of the atmosphere. So he wrote a big research paper, and a bunch of scientists kind of got along with it. I don't know if you remember this, but it made it all the way to the UN, and like, they, a lot of people got really excited. About, I think the, the, the mission was a trillion trees. They're going to plant a trillion trees because they estimated there was about three trillion trees on the planet right now. And if you have another trillion, it would, it would dial back decades of, of, uh, of, of emissions from, from what humans are doing. And so they, you know, it's part of the sustainability thing. But it was interesting how I, I watched a TED Talk with, with with Thomas, and he was talking about how in those early days, he was just so excited that everybody was jumping on board. And entire governments were jumping on board and pledging, yeah, we're going to build, we're going to help build a trillion trees. And, uh, and big companies, like I mentioned Nike, I think they jumped in, like for every tennis shoe, we're going to plant X amount of trees. And, and so this idea was, like, we, we don't really have to change the way that we're doing things, we just plant more trees. And what's interesting is when you plant more trees, that's cool and that's wonderful, but the all of the research on the carbon that trees eat or whatever take out of the atmosphere—it's all based on trees that are in ecosystems, sustainable ecosystems. These trees are not in nurseries, for instance. These trees are in the rainforest, like literally. Like I, I think it's like over half of the plant species and and, 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 and uh, animal species live inside a rainforest. So these, these rainforests are, are tremendous. That's just one of the e- ecosystems. But these ecosystems, are, they're biodiverse. In other words, like you walk through them and there's things that don't make sense. Right? There's like a, there's like a, there's a, a rotting log laying there in the pathway. Why is that there? It's got fungi on it. Who needs that? It's got these little insects that eat the fungi. Who cares about them? Like, there's a lot of stuff that don't make sense to humans. We just, we see it. I think there's seven different layers just of bush within a within a jungle. Like, and so we see the biodiversity and we're like, we don't quite understand the link between all of these things. So what happened is these big corporations started planting like nurseries, like, you know, space this oak tree this far away from that oak tree. And, and you get a trillion seeds and plant a trillion trees. And apparently now you, you're getting rid of of carbon. And it's true, they do get rid of carbon. They're just not very sustainable. Because what you plant in, in, a, in a micromanaged way, you then have to manage in a micromanaged way. <laughs> so now you have corporations that have to pay more people to handle the, the, the watering of all trillion trees. They didn't even get to a trillion. But anyway, they found out as they got going on this that a lot of these, 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 these plant situations were failing. It just wasn't working. Why? Because they approached a God idea with a, manned, a man-made method. We're going to overmanage this, we We're going we're gonna to make sure that these are spaced out, and, 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 and what happens is like insects don't go to those nurseries because they don't have anything for them to eat. don't I mean homes for them. Well, those insects happen to eat other things that that help protect the, anyway, like, it's it's this whole biodiverse area, and, and, man, I was, I was listening to that, and I was like, boy, if that's not, if that's not what we do as Christians, we create monocultures, is what they call them, instead of biodiverse, we create monocultures, we have one version of God, we like that version, for instance, so, so with regard to Bible reading, we don't actually read Genesis 1, verse 1, and then Genesis 1, verse 2, and then Genesis 1, verse 3. We don't do that. Instead, we get, what is it, the Jesus calling, right? And it's like, it's like a little book, and it's got like a little half of a scripture at the top, and then a paragraph of this person's, like, thoughts, which are not even biblical, but they're—sometimes they are, but sometimes they're kind of weird. And so, and so we, 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 read, we read that, and we feel like, oh, I've, I've read my Bible today. It's like you read part of the Bible, like a very small part. And so what happens is when you get the, when you get, it, it, it's basically a monoculture because it's one author who cherry picked a bunch of little scriptures that he or she liked. I don't know who it is. And then they just, they, they just handed it to you and said, here you go. Here's the Bible. So I, I actually had somebody one time tell me that they felt like God was always smiling. And I was like, like always? And, and they were like, yeah, yeah, always. I said, always. Yeah, always. I said, are you always smiling? Like, is any, like, healthy person with a, with a mind that works well, are they always smiling? Like, so, so God was smiling when Jesus was crucified, right? He's like, ah, hit him again. God, that's lovely. I just love to see my son suffer. What does he, is he like a psychopath, or he's just always smiling, He's standing in front of the tomb of Lazarus and smiling while he's crying. How does that work? So I mean it's just but when you have but when you have a monoculture of the character of God in scripture reading, you get this idea that God's always smiling. You pass over all the passages where he's angry, you pass over the passages where he's killing people, you pass over the passages where he sometimes lets people do things that they probably shouldn't do and then they reap the consequences of that. You you, you like you, you you lose the picture of God. So anyway, so it, it reminded me of when, when Madden and Michael were kind of little. They watched Wild Kratts. don't you guys ever see Wild Kratts, the Krat brothers. Um, and uh, it's a little car, kid's cartoon where they, their big thing is that they want nature to live free and in the wild. Living free and in the wild, that's their whole statement they say all the time. And they have some enemies in Wild Kratts, right? One of the enemies is, is, is this girl named Paisley Paver. So I, th- I think I have a picture of her. She has a m- massive paver truck, and uh, she's got a bunch of little paver trucks. And basically, she feels like nature is too messy. So ever- she's always going into these biodiverse areas and paving them because it's too ugly and too messy and too, un- uh, too unkempt. And so Paisley Paver, and I, and I was like, man, that- that's-, that's basically what we do with the Bible. That's what Jesus' calling is. It's a big paver over the Bible. I mean, it's fine to read along with the Bible, but if you're not actually reading the Word of God, you're getting a paved version of paradise, and basically you're losing all the power of it. And so, we, we but it's too complicated. That's what a biosystem is, that's what a biodiversity is. What something that looks like over complication for no reason. All right, that's what it feels like when I walk into a jungle. I'm like, man, that doesn't need to be there. That doesn't need to be there. These fire ants definitely don't need to be here. Come on, somebody. These snakes, they could all leave as far as I'm concerned. You know, the like, but yet, but yet, man, God creates things that seem insignificant or seem even counterintuitive, and yet it's a part of it. So, for instance, when you read uh, Hebrews, I quote Hebrews quite a bit because I love Hebrews. Well, the whole first chapter is like how God used to speak to us and how he's speaking to us now through his son, Jesus. Then he starts talking about Jesus is better than angels. And you're sitting there going, well, why do I need to know that? And then he's better than Moses and the law of Moses. And how does that factor into my life? And, and we're, I had somebody text me recently. And they said, they said they say, hey, Pastor Harry, what's, what's a good book of the Bible to read to learn about discernment? And I said, man, there is no, <laughs> no good book of the Bible to read to learn about discernment. Because the Bible is not organized like a textbook. There's not an index of topics for you to cover. It's like, oh, I need, I need, I need to learn about faith today. So I'm going to turn to—no, that's not how it works. It's literally, you start in like Hebrews 1 verse 1, and you get a bunch of stuff that you don't think applies to you but it does, but you don't think it about, no, no, I need to learn about the sermon. I don't need to learn about this. I don't need to know the nature of God for that. I need to learn. Like we have this, this Paisley Paver mindset where it's like, this is all too complicated. It's too hard. It's too much going on in the Bible. So give me a simplified version so that I can get to where I want to go. But dear American, that's not how it works. God works sustainably. So he'll teach you things you don't think you need to know right now. Because I need to know it later? Well, maybe. (laughs) It's like Madden with high school. She was like, I'm learning a bunch of stuff I'm never going to use. I'm like, but the fact that you're learning it is something that you will use. If you can't learn things now without like a deadline, like I need this by Saturday, then when you get to be my age, trust me, you're not going to save for stuff like retirement. Because if you don't have the discipline to, to do something that you can't see how it connects to what you feel like you need is urgent right now, you'll never have the discipline to, to move forward. with it. It's not, you won't be sustainable. You'll be, you'll be up and down and up and down. But the power of, of high school is to learn stuff that, yeah, okay, maybe you're not gonna need that. But it stretches your brain. It, 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 it enlarges your thinking. And it teaches you discipline to move forward even when you can't see how one step connects to another. And that's what God does That's why he's right Genesis 1 verse 1 is important Verse 2 is important 3 is important 4 the whole thing And so you read through it And at some point you realize Wait a minute Wait I am am seeing things From a different perspective now Which is why when people Ask me Bible questions I don't usually answer the question I start back in Genesis And work my way that way Because if you really want to understand God You have to understand Who he is Where he came from What he's doing here And so that's true with Bible reading. It's true with prayer. Prayer is a jungle. (laughs) It's a jungle. It's but but we often pave it, make it simple. I I got this request, Lord. Okay, I need this today. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Right? We pave right to the point. And we miss the power of prayer. Prayer is a, a jungle that you wander around in and you trip over things that you think are unnecessary. You trip over times of of worship. Well, that's not going to help me get what I need. I need this right here. Uh, no, 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 no. Trust me, you need that. <laughs> you trip over times of thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, you definitely need that. You'll have some patience blossoming over there. And you'll have some, some, some fruit of the Spirit growing over there. And it's all a part of the prayer experience. And so that's why prayer can't just simply be a laundry list of requests. God, I need this, I need that, I need that. No, he already knows what you need. So obviously, he doesn't need you to inform him. He wants you to come into the jungle of his presence and hang out there. It's interesting, they have audio recordings of jungles. And it's super noisy and loud and and a cacophony. That's a five dollar word. A cacophony of bugs and slithers and wind trees and branches and it's all rivers and all kinds of. And then then they have audio recordings of these, these nurseries that they made. And it's just. <laughs> There's nothing. There's nothing living there. Because when God causes things to grow, they live, they they produce all kinds of elements. That's why prayer can't just be, I need this and I need that. It has to be a step into the jungle where you sit with God and you see all of his beauty and all of his wonders and things that you hadn't noticed about him before. And you learn those things. And care group is a jungle. (laughs) We often want to pave it. Like, I need a friend now. And I go in there, and the first person I talk to, she didn't really act very nice to me. Ah, care groups don't work. And we walk out. It's too messy. Too many weird people. Too many... Too many, too many white people, too many brown people, too many old people, too many young people. It's like chaotic. It's crazy. There's guys and girls. There's millennials. And it's just like we get all this stuff. And it's like I, I want something neat and tidy. Can I just get, you know, 15 millennial females between the ages of this and that and the other all in the same stage of life and I'll get this monoculture? I'm talking about for this lady right here. I'm not talking about for me. But anyway... But we all like, we want a monoculture, something that looks like us, feels like us, sounds like us, believes like us, and then I'll slot in. But man, no, the best care groups are the, are the biodiverse, all kinds of life, <laughs> all kinds of living people, folks of different walks of life, people who are making six figures and people who are making figures, and, and, and they're, they're just trying to figure how to make something. But, but you get, to, it's like, well, I, got, I, I, I this is too messy. I have to pave that. I need to get right to a good lifelong bosom buddy friend. Mm-hmm. Marriages are a jungle. <laughs> and if you think you go right to just absolute bliss and happily ever after, that's not how that works. We're talking years of stumbling over conversations that seem pointless. <laughs> why, why is that there? And why does she say that? And why does she do that? And why does she think like that? None of this makes sense. Look at this jungle. Can, can, can us guys, man, we just want to pave it. Can we just get to the point? Could you just tell me the point of the conversation? What do I need to do? Fix, say, apologize for? Like, just let me know. I'm going to pave it. Jonathan, Jonathan feels me. He's, he's got me. He's with me. Get that Paisley paver out. We're gonna pave this thing. This is too crazy. This emotions growing over places. I don't know why the emotions growing there. She doesn't even know why the emotion's growing there. It's just growing. But man, it's within that jungle that living things thrive. Within the jungle of relationships that, that you find true bosom friends, true close friends. In church itself is also a jungle things go wrong, too much haze, there's not enough haze, the air's not on at all right now, and it's hot in here, and, you know, and, 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 and we, we change up the songs, or we sing songs, or we sing old songs, or we sing Maverick songs, or we don't sing Maverick songs, or we sing song, or we don't sing Hillsong, or we sing Bethel, or we don't sing Bethel, and it's like, yeah, okay, it's kind of, kind of, kind of messy, kind of, you know, crazy, weird things growing in different places, weird people. <laughs> Jonathan's different. Got some, got some weird, got some different, and, and, and yet it is in those places that, that life happens, that growth happens, because when, you, when, when you're in a biodiverse environment, it's, that's, that's, that's where the life is. What happens with Paisley is she paves stuff, and then stuff dies. She doesn't mean to kill it. She's just trying to organize it, she means well. She's just trying to flatten it. She's just trying to get an easier walkway. <laughs> like, I think it's in this episode. She's like, the sun's too bright. I can't see. I'm like, I can associate with that. That's something I don't like about Texas. It's too bright. I can't see. Like, can we just like get something to cover that up? Figure that out, right? We want to micromanage it. The other, the other great enemy of sustainability is uh, Danita. Danita Donato. And Danita, she goes into nature not to clean it up, but really, because she really likes, she likes nature. She likes how it looks. So, like, she'll see a bird or something, like, I don't know what those things are, but she saw those things. That was one of the episodes. Like, she'll, she'll see something she really likes, and she'll be like, I want to wear something like that. Right? Like, she, like, like she loves the look of nature. So she, so, she, so she views it, and then she has her lackey, uh, what's the guy, <laughs> I forget that, anyway. Like, she has him do all the work, and uh, he's kind of like a big dumb guy, and so he kind of does all the work, and she tries to capture animals to get the look that she wants. Man, and, and this is another great enemy of sustainability, the desire for a product without the process. To see, to see something. And to say, that's what we need right there. That's what I need, right? And so I'm going to go get that, take it out of its natural environment, add it to my life, right? And so, so we, we do this with, with, with Bible reading, right? We, we, we start, we like, I need, I need peace today, Lord. Just give me peace. I need peace. And we start reading about like sin and stuff and how God's angry with sin. And we're like, that's not, I needed peace. No, man, if you would forgive those that have sinned against you, you would get peace. Like, th- 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 this, this is where the, 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 the biodiversity here is so important, and the process is so important. And this is why Scripture teaches us the process, how to get to the fruit of the Spirit. You want fruit? You want peace? Wonderful. This is a path. Start Genesis 1, work your way forward prayer time. It's like we often, are, all right, Lord, I need, I need, I need, I need direction. I need to know, should I take that job or this job? And I'll go into my prayer closet or the room or I'm driving in the car, or whatever, and I'm asking God, Lord, I need direction. Just give me direction. And he starts speaking to us about something completely different. And we're like, oh yeah, that's lovely, but I need to know this job or that job. All right, it's like the it's like the um, the magic eight ball, like shake it, you know, like all right Lord, I need I need to know. I mean that's that's basically witchcraft. To go to God in prayer and be like, I want that product, I don't want the process, so I'm gonna steal that product and just just, just put it into my circumstance. But like those animals didn't live in her lab. Like that's not where that's not where they grew, that's not how they got all the amazing abilities that they got. And she has no respect for the process. She has no honor for the process. She just immediately wants it now. And the same is true with care groups, right? We step into a care group and we're like, well, okay, now, now I'll feel whatever I was looking to feel. So, yeah, that might take some time. Might have to have some arguments first with some of the members of, in the care group. Literally might have to forgive somebody and work through something to actually have a lifelong friend. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's part of it. We can't, can't just Danita donato it. <laughs> you get <gonna> nada. <laughs> you get Danita. De don't. She, 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 she grabs stuff. She wants to put it in her like she owns a shop or something that she makes clothes and she wants to sell it. She wants to profit off it real quick. The same thing with church, man. We, you can't step into it like you have to. Respect the process. You have to actually fall in love with the process. Jesus said those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. So the question is not, do you have righteousness? The question is, are you hungry for righteousness? Because oftentimes we're not hungry for it, but we know we should have it. And so we go, all right, how can I add disciplines to my life to get it? How can I go purchase that, grab it, and... Put it on my shelf, put it on my mantle, and have it. Look at me, I have it. Well, it's not going to be sustainable. You'll have it for a few minutes. But really, truly, you need to figure out why you're not hungry. What's blocking the hunger? You know, like if, if you have a, a 12-year-old who just never eats because he's never hungry. It's not a, eating's not the problem then. You need to go to the doctor and figure out why he's not hungry. Right? Because hunger... Is a natural thing. Jesus said, those who are hunger and thirst after righteousness, they're the ones who get it, they're the ones who are filled with it. And so if you're not hungry for righteousness, that's where you start. That's your prayer request. When and 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 that's what you're reading in scripture. You open up scripture, Father, make me hungry. You come into your prayer time and say, God, I don't even want to pray. But Lord help me want to pray. Make me hungry. Like, that's, that's just your prayer. It's not, Lord, make me righteous. No, it's make me hungry for righteousness. Because there's this hunger inside. And if that would just be there, I would get righteousness. Would, I would just get it. Those that hunger for it, get it. Those that desire for it, get it. So, Lord, make me hungry. And I, I don't know. Sometimes you don't feel like coming to church. <laughs> sometimes I don't feel like coming to church, right? And it's like, okay, on those days, Lord, make me hungry. For your presence, make me hungry. Because sometimes we'll be like, well, I'm just gonna do it anyway, by golly. And it's like, you just, you just do it. <laughs> you just do it. Well, you lose the rewards of it. You miss out. Say, God, okay, I'm going to do it. But Lord, make me hungry. Same is true in our marriages. It's like, it's like okay, fine. There's this list of things she wants me to do. Lovely. I'll try. <laughs> but Lord... Lord, make me desiring for her. And not just for her, but for her, for her benefit, for her blessing, for her growth. Make me desiring because until I want it, I'm just doing it. And that's not sustainable. Sustainable is what I would desire because that's what I'll return to. That's what I'll slip into when things get hectic. That's what I'll shift back to. That's my fallback. My desire, so God changed my desire. If you don't desire him, ask him to change. If you don't desire what is right, ask him to change your desire. So that we're not Danita or Paisley, Danada. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we pray that you would change, change us, change our desires, change our hearts. Lord, make us sustainable. Help us your kingdom is sustainable. And yet we mess it up when we try to pave it. And when we try to steal the product from it. Instead, Lord, let us, let us enjoy the complexity of it. <laughs> Even the parts that don't make sense to us. Because your kingdom grows whether we know how it did it or not. So let us enjoy the complexity of your word. Let us enjoy the complexity of prayer. Let us enjoy the complexity of care groups the complexity of City Chapel. Not be inconvenienced by it, but let us enjoy, let us value the complexity of it. That you're pulling all kinds of things together. You're doing all kinds of things and we we see it. We don't even know how it all, all things work together. We don't know how they all work together, but we believe your word says they all work together. So Lord, may we, may we not rush to pave things and flatten things and organize things so much that we lose the the life out of them. Let us enjoy the complexity. Let us pursue the complexity. This is why we can literally read your word every day and get something new out of it every single day. Let us not pave it down to, well, believe in Jesus. That's all you need. Well, that's part of it. If that were the case, it wouldn't be 66 books. It would be a pamphlet, a two-page pamphlet. (laughs) Jesus was born He died, he rose again, there you go. That's part of it, but you don't even under, you can't appreciate that pamphlet until you step into the jungle of the word of God and walk around the complexity of all that he has done and all that he is doing and all that he plans to do. And so we step into the complexity of your word, may we step into the complexity of prayer, Supplications, Yeah, that's part of it. Asking for things, sure. But may we, may we also include intercession. May we also include worship. May we also include Thanksgiving. May we also include the various components of what it means to sit with you in your presence, whether we're in the car, whether we're on the couch. Or may we embrace the complexity of our care groups and our various kinds of people, And actually thank you that we're not all the same. And thank you that we can learn from each other. And thank you that we can motivate and spur one another on. When I'm not motivated, somebody else is. When somebody's not motivated, I am. We see stuff that others don't see. And that's a good thing. Or may we embrace the complexity. Not pay the... Lord, may we just embrace the process. Not be like Danita, grabbing something but may we embrace the process of of reading our Bible. It takes a long time to even get through the whole thing. (laughs) And that's okay. This is a process, even to understand it. I've read through so many times, and I still don't get half of it. It's a process. But Lord, may we embrace that process. I'm not trying to be scholars tomorrow. May we embrace the process of just being a child and being like, Father, what does this mean? What in the world? Why? Why are you telling me about this today? Why today? I needed peace. Why are you talking to me about this? Or may we embrace that process. May we embrace the process of prayer. We're not good at it. Nobody's good at prayer. There are no professional prayers. It's not a gift. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. It's not even a gift of the Spirit. It's a language. It's, it's a jungle of the presence of God. May we embrace the process of whatever level we're at, whatever words we know, and however we feel. Or may we embrace the process. May we embrace the process of care groups. We can't attend every night. Okay, oh well. I can attend every other night. I can attend once a month. This, it's a process, it's not a product. You don't just jump to this perfect product. May we embrace the process. Let, and 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 honor the process value the process and we embrace the process with this church the city chapel is growing we're not there yet <laughs> but we want more of you we want to love people better we want to display you more accurately we want you to be even more glorified we want more people to be baptized in water and in fire and in the Holy Spirit. We want, we want, uh, uh, yeah, we want to to go into all the world. We want to reach further. We have uh, dreams and things we want to do more. But Lord, may we embrace the process of where we're at right now. This is what, this is where we've been planted right now. This is who we have right now. This is what we can do right now. This is where we can go right now. And we value that and say, no, there's value in where we are right now. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome to be here, right here, right now. It's a privilege. Thank you, Lord, for letting us be in this process exactly where we're at. Letting us work through this process and walking with us. We'll give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for everything that you do. All the products that you produce But in the meantime, we thank you for the process. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us today. Hope you have a good day. This is a great birthday, Jonathan says. Awesome. All right, let's go. Let's go. A couple weeks will be my birthday. It'll It'll be even better. Even better. Going from glory to glory. Those watching from home, God bless you. Talk to you later.